apparently like there's more black men in jail in America than the entire prison population worldwide. And I think we're going to look back on this and say like, this is worse than slavery. Mm-hmm. Like at least like, I mean, like, yeah, like something's got to change. But the thing is, is, is it's by design. We talk about a system. We talk about that. The system flows without you having to even have your hands in. Like, remember when we were saying like, um, and this kind of like a contradiction on my part, like when we were talking about how like that water that goes from the toilet all the way to your tap and it just flows, no people involved. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of what systematic racism looks like, where they've set the system up and they don't even got to be involved anymore. They just step back and we kill each other and we slander each other and we hate each other and we destroy each other. And they look like their hands are clean, even though they orchestrated the entire thing. Right. And so I think that um, a big part of the reason why young men do dumb things at a young age is because they've had to get out of the mud. It's because they have... They, they want nice things, but they don't have the means to get nice things because they're not going to be able to get a job that's going to pay them enough to get nice things. They're not going to be able to um, work enough hours to get those nice things. And so they do dumb stuff to get those nice things. And that's all the result of somebody making them get it out of the mud. Whereas if you were to put them in position to have those things, to help them get those things and make sure they had that car, make sure they had that nice pair of shoes, whatever they might want. Like now we're going to have a better society. So in large part, I think we can, I know we can solve all our own problems, but at first we got to accept that those are problems and the mud is a problem. Tweet, tweet, talk, episode 131. Are we on the air? Tweet, talk, when it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Man, we could do this. This is so dope. Do whatever we want to do. <laughs> we do what we want to do here at Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Raphael Husbands, here with my co-host, Charles Oglesby III, JD, a.k.a. Todd Billionaire. And today we are rocking with my sister, Michelle Welch, and my other sister, Brandy Hayes, a.k.a. Network with Brandy. Welcome, AKA welcome, welcome. Big B. Big B. B stands for like billions. <laughs> Brandy, what would, what would be your aspirational name? If you had to pick one, what would it be? I like it. I like that. You should start. You should start rocking that pink slip brandy. <laughs> oh, pink slip brandy! Yeah, I saw she had posted something like that on Instagram one time, and I was like, "Oh, girl!" Brandy, can you turn yourself up a little bit? Yeah, you're really losing them. Yeah, you went, your microphone's low all of a sudden. Is it? Is it good now? Mm-mm. No, it might be the AirPods. I don't know. It was good before. It was all good just a week ago. <laughs> What do y'all think? Where is it now? Perfect. Cool. It was my AirPods. They probably were dying. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. (laughs) What up, Ray? What's going on? Uh, Introduce yourself, Brandy. Let the people know who you are, where they can find you. Um, So my name is Brandy Hayes. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, mostly at Network with Brandy. Um, We're changing that, bro. We changed. Charles said we changed it, so we got to change it. Um, and I hope I help people turn their cash cards into cash flow. I like the pink slip, the pink slip brandy, helping y'all turn cash cards into cash flow. They just go together. Pink slip, <laughs> come on, man. 
They <laughs> said you give it the pink slip to the job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not the other way around. Before we go, yeah. can I speak on this really quick? There's, it's really important to maintain brand consistency across the board. So, like, where they see you in any place, they should, they should know who you are and what you do. So, um, just consistency, y'all. If you, um, your name should not be something that's unrelated to business. So you see folks who are like, I do this, I do this. I can never tell by your name. I can never tell by your profile. I can never tell, tell by your profile picture. <laughs> we should know all those things should be lined up. Why? Because you're giving yourself the best chance of success when everything is in line. So mm-hmm. keep it consistent because the goal is to make money. The goal is not just to be seen. We need just out here and, and worse to not even be seen because some of y'all wouldn't even know y'all exist. But you're out here doing these great things. So I don't, I know that your name is probably Chris or something, but what does Chris do? Chris flips stuff. Keep it consistent <laughs> with what you do, man. I'm serious. No, you are. It's, it's so important. We um I'm sorry, Brandy. We um we had a talk about this, I think, this week in the mastermind that like your virtual real estate is everything. It's your first impression. Or we had or we were on the, the live about the biggie t-shirt. Um, but first impression is in my opinion, when it comes to business, right? When it comes to business, your first impression is everything. Your virtual real estate is what people know you as. So when you go to someone's page, it's like, I'm looking to see how professional you are. I want to see if you're downing your 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 old clients. I want to see what type of conversations you're having, what type of stuff you're posting. If it's not aligning, I'm not working with you because that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. I'm sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's Tweet Talk P-O-D. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Michelle on Twitter at underscore Coach Michelle. That's two L's and an E at the end. And follow Brandy at Brandy Networks. That's Brandy with an I, not a Y. I've been trying to figure out how to change my Twitter name to something else, but like it just, I just need one more character, and I could just have I am Michelle Welch. So I was thinking about just only putting one M. So I a Michelle Welch, but then I'm like, that's not really right grammatically. <laughs> So and I don't want to change my Instagram name to underscore Coach Michelle. Right. It's oh, tough. No. And you, you build up one name and then you go to another platform. And I can't even do Millionaire characters. Michelle. Ooh. I wonder if I can do Millionaire Michelle. But everybody already knows me as Coach Michelle. It's all good. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. Can someone Can we- on Twitter can get one more character, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of it. You Somebody saw Elon like- Musk pulled his... Um, pulled his his uh, offer for Twitter. Yeah. Deleted his account. Really? Oh, I didn't see that part. <laughs> he suspended his account. Betty. That's yeah, not Betty. Punk- he had them people thinking he was about to put up them billions. I know. I know. I would be mad too. I would block his account too. <laughs> he right. was talking crap about Twitter. And then he's going to go ahead and pull his, um, pull his, his thing in. All right. Yeah, you he, wanna- <clears throat> he punked the whole internet. Thinking he was buying the stuff. Thinking he was going to made the stocks go crazy, all that. But that just goes to show you how much power that man has. Mm-hmm. Do you want to yeah. pull a um a tweet, Ralph? Yeah, I think the, a good one to start with is uh, Brandy's had one. you said she said, "Who you surround yourself with can put you in opportunities that you most likely wouldn't have by yourself." Mm, that was a good one. Um, I actually was listening to a podcast when I heard I heard that, and I I just like tweeted it. But like I listen when I listen to podcasts or interviews or things like that, sometimes I just tweet out uh, what's going on because I'm not always tweeting. But 
um, that hit home for me because um, I've been doing this for a while. Like, you know, not like full-time entrepreneurship, but just entrepreneurship, right? Like, so part-time I was doing it while I was working. So I was doing that or whatever. But now I'm like full-time as of July of last year. And, you know, up until like, um, let's say when I got into the mastermind, uh, it really wasn't hitting for me like I wanted it to. Um, and I knew most mostly it was because of who I was around, right? And what I was what I was um taking in. So when that was said, I was just like, dang, that really hit me hard because I knew that at one point in time I was around certain people that um entrepreneurship wasn't a thing for them. You know, um doing going out and 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 killing and eating what you kill and things like that it wasn't a thing for them they was just you know monday through friday they was going to work and for me it was just like I, I needed to be around people that understood what i was going through daily as an entrepreneur as a person without a, a job without somebody giving me a check at the end of the week and i started to surround myself around other entrepreneurs so just wanting to be in the in a mastermind of people that know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm going through and can push me to the next level and not feel like I can't do it or tell me like, oh, that might not be good. You might not be able to do that. Or, you know, it's always a thing of you want people to push you towards what you want, not to make you retreat and make you feel like it won't work or, you know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't the right thing to do right now. That might not be the right thing to do. Like you get the people, cause I have a kid, I have, you know, different things. So it's people's like, you know, it might not be the right thing to do right now because you got a son and you know, this, that, and a third, or you got this, or they put those obstacles like Michelle talked about earlier in, in your way. And it's like, you start to believe those things because this is all, these are the only people that you surround yourself with. So you, you it has to be true. Right. But then when you start to surround yourself with people that, don't have the excuse for you. They're just like, yeah, you can do it, but this is how you're going to have to do it. Yeah, you can do it, but this is how it will have to play out. And then once it plays out this way, are you okay with this outcome? And then once this outcome comes, we can pivot here or there, right? They're giving you direction. Whereas like the people that I used to be surrounded with didn't have the direction. They didn't have a way. So we just like, they stopped you right there because it's like, it won't work. Because it probably didn't work for them. So that's how it kind of like um, that tweet kind of hit hit me. One hundred percent agree with all of that. Power and proximity. There's so much power and proximity. Did you get it with some yep. tweets, Rafael? Yeah, I started off with one. Um, with one of Brandy's. What was talking about what was who you surround yourself with can put you in opportunities that you most likely wouldn't have by yourself. That's why I be golfing, y'all. <laughs> right that's yeah. gotta be it absolutely but it's so true um it's just a very valid statement and i wish that more people like it not only is it true it's like you got to get away from people who who don't rock with you so it's like it's a two-part thing it's like get close to people who like even if you got to pay to get around those people even if you got to serve to get around those people like sometimes it's not going to come pretty packaged in, in the form of mentorship. It might come, you might have to kind of like create a situation that doesn't yet exist. So it's like, if you see somebody who you want to work with, like make it a point to get around that person. Cause that's going to elevate where you are. Don't take that for granted. Don't take it for chance. And don't just kind of leave it up to hopefully it might work. Like, no, like get in the room on purpose. So 100%. Right. And demand what you want. 
and not and not only that, like you say, like um, Charles said, like sometimes it looks like you actually having to serve. Um, that's a real thing because a lot of people ask for mentors and coaches and things like that. Oh, can you mentor me? Can you coach me or whatever? But like, as a person that has time, like I know that like there's only three things you gotta have time, knowledge, or money, right? So if you got the time and you don't have the money and you have knowledge around something or a skill, instead of asking that person, like, hey, could you mentor me? Can you coach me? If you're watching this person and you're really deep into this person and you really want mentorship and coaching from this person, you know what's going on with this person, right? So you can actually find out what does that person need? Is it something that is going on in that person's life? Maybe they need help with marketing. Maybe they need help with somebody, you know, um, posting for them. Maybe they, whatever it is that you have the skill around, you can actually just show up with that, like show up with that value and they will see that. And now it's like, oh, okay. But when you show up and it's like, oh, I want to work with you, but you do have the skill, you do have that knowledge, but you don't show up and show that, like, I have this for you. Could Like, I'm going to work with you. I want to do this for you for free or whatever. It's like, they kind of look past you. They're looking at some, like, when people are, get to a certain level, they're looking at people that can bring value to them. Because at this point, they don't really need any help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in, in a sense, right? They don't need, like, help of people just to want to be around to be around. They need help of people that want to be around to serve, to help them to build their brand and their business bigger than what they've already got it to. So if, if you have that value that you can, like that value add that you can present to them, then it's like, you don't have to ask them, hey, could you mentor me? Could you coach me? You're around this person all the time doing tasks for them, be, being valuable to them. All you got to do is soak up the game. You you walk up with them. You're going to events with them. You hear what's going on. So you're just soaking up the game the whole time. So inevitably, they, they mentored you. You know what I mean? In that way, you know, instead of you just being standing there, like trying to get that value, you, you bring the value, you know what I mean? You have something valuable inside of you that you can bring to someone else. <clears throat> and that's super important. That's how me and Charles developed our relationship because I knew, I knew that his brand aligned with where I wanted to be, with what I wanted. And I knew that the way that I was going to be able to work with him was adding extreme value, showing him where I think he could have expanded the brand or whatever the case may be. And now three years later, you know, we're working together one on one. And I just think it's so important to not feel like you're above serving anybody because I, because of this relationship I've built, it's now put me ahead of the I literally talk to millionaires every day because of Charles. I've literally been able to interview Dr. Kimbrough because of Charles, like the monumental moments in my life have happened because of a collaboration. So it's just so important to make sure you're in the right rooms. But even if you have to work a little to be there. It makes perfect sense because look at the value that's being added behind me and my brand now. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So it's just super important. And I love that you tweeted that because I was just like, yes, she gets it. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> the relationships, that's what's so important. Relationships will make you far much more money than right. things by yourself. I actually like I've I've gotten it long before now. Um, it's just that I've been in my job and around certain people for so long that it just, it didn't click until now. But, you know, I remember my mom, she was a, a, a entrepreneur for over 20 years. You know what I mean? She was doing it for over 20 years, but like she never could get past where she, like she had these big aspirations, big dreams of like what her business could be. You know what I mean? She saw it and I see other people doing it now, but she saw it and it was just like, she never could get there. And it was because she couldn't get up. Well, I wouldn't say couldn't, but she was scared. She was fearful of getting around the people that could push her to that level. She stayed around the people that she started off with 
and the people that, like Charles said, like being around those people that are like naysayers or whatever and still be like, but that's my friend. You know what I mean? And like staying in that environment is like, that's not a good conducive environment. So that's why like I did the network of Randy because I just wanted to be around a bunch of people that knew what they were doing that were above me, that could give me game because I knew what it was like for my mom being in the situation that she was in and never got that game, but just knew what she knew. But it was just like she never went further than what she could go. <clears throat> Hundred percent. Yeah, man. Once it got with Charles, like if it was if it didn't get with Charles, I don't know. If, I probably would not know anybody else on this call right now. <laughs> right. I don't think. And Charles all the not even Brandy. Not even Brandy. Yeah. I think even Brandy is connected to the mastermind. Yeah. That's no, before that, but no, after, was, after we I started, we was in an investment group together. The Top Capital okay. Investment Group. Um, but you guys like, weren't talking like that. No, no, no. We we weren't talking like that. Um, but it was before the mastermind that we started talking. Um, I think it was the tweet talk um podcast when that started. Like, um, right. I was actually tweeting, not not even tweeting. I was on Instagram because I wasn't even on Twitter at the time. And um, he started the tweet talk podcast, and I think I told him about this. And I was like, I had been following Charles for like such a long time, and like I was connected. Like I felt like, oh yeah, this guy, he's good, and like connected to him. And then all of a sudden, like, um, tweet talk podcast came out. And it was just like, we're going to talk to Charles about the tweets that he has. And we're going to like expound on them. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what's tweets? What are like, cause I didn't know about Twitter. So I'm like, wait, what is going on? So <laughs> I listened to the podcast and I'm just like, yo, I like this. So then when that happened, it was just like, I felt like me and Charles were like family. Cause it was like, I already knew like what he knew, like I was on it already. But then like to hear what he actually thought about things, it was like, I got to know him personally. And that that was like the best thing, like I said, could have ever happened was the Tweet Talk podcast, like one of his time. And I was like, I love this. And I was just like, never miss the episode. So after that, I was just like, every podcast, I was just like, every, like little sayings and quotes that you would say, Charles or um, Raphael, I would write it out and then I would post it on my on my stories and I would tag you guys. And it was always like be running every time. And um, I think Raphael reached out to me or something. I was like, what? He reached out to me. And then we just kind of like started kicking it like that. But after that, like, that's how we kind of linked. And then it was just like, huh, take my number. <laughs> Charles, how does it feel to know that you just created so much opportunity and relationship, like, between amazing people? You know, I don't know. You, you <laughs> the, you've been like the, the, the goat. Yeah. Like. I really don't know. Um, you know what? I think it, it it doesn't really matter until we all are rich. So like that's really my focus. It's like, all right, we created this cool network of people, but now let's get yeah. out. So it's like that's what I'm really like. I'm I'm like cool. We got some people. We all rock and we all connected. Now let's run it up. So Raphael, Brandy, Michelle, Pax, Preston, Dre. Because it's like you look at these these massive companies and these massive companies, everybody's paid like from the top on down. We always celebrate tech job, tech jobs. <laughs> but you realize like in that tech company, there's folks making crazy bread. So like we're looking at the very bottom of the bottom and we're celebrating their salary because they make 120, they make 200. And so like the crazy part about that, it is usually a bunch of white folks in there. We just started kind of infiltrating it. It's kind of like a new phenomenon that black folks are getting um, like tech jobs, but they've been doing this. They've been passing the buck around. So like for me, like this is just the beginning. Like this is not the end. This is not the celebration. I'm happy that we're all here. We're all connected. We all have a similar mindset, which is cool. And what you can kind of do when you create content because we all we all can kind of hang around each other because we think the same. 
And like there's this idea, like, for example, we wake up on a Sunday. It's like, hey, let's get some work done. And we get some work done. Everybody's not like that. Everybody else is like, oh, well, you know, uh, my eye itches. It's like, bro, like they got every reason in the world to not work. <laughs> We're going to get this work because we all think the same. We all know every day is a day to get it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel good. I like hearing it because it, I mean, it means that like I am having an impact, but I do want us all to like get to that level. That's the goal. That's the goal. That explains your tweet that you said my game plan is always collaboration, even if some people don't rock with said collaboration. I'm a fan. Glad you brought that up. Um, because I was sitting here and I was thinking and I was putting some pieces together and I was hitting the Monopoly Bros and hitting up Michelle, and I was like, man, I'm kind of building like this network of people who get it. Even if two years ago I couldn't get folks to like really work together because they wanted to run off and do their own thing and. Who knows where they at now? I ain't seen them. But like, I, I kind of was like frustrated a little bit. I was like, man, like I thought we were supposed to be working together, getting it after each other. And I, I kind of like, I thought like maybe my idea of collaborative economics and working together was just not going to work. And then when I started to see kind of like what's manifesting itself now, I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's, it was just the people. Maybe it was just the people that didn't get it. But if I can get some more people in here who get it, then it's not all for naught. So collaboration is still the key. Um, it's just collaborating with the right people who think the same thing, who have the same work ethic, who have the same drive, who understand that the, the long-term goal is much better than the short-term goal. And that's it. Hmm. We here, we rocking. You rocking. Hey, Brandy, let the people know about the road to riches and what you do. Um. So... The Road to Riches uh, is my course that I uh, made for people that want to get into car rentals, um, the debt freeway. And when I mean a debt freeway, meaning that not using credit um, and things like that, um, there's many ways that you can get into it. So you can do, you know, you could become a fleet manager, uh, which is you find someone that has a car that doesn't know about the business, but you know about the business because you bought the course. Um, and you can find them and say, Hey, well, you know, I can find a way I have a way that you can use your car and make some money and we can make money together. I'll do all the work. You just get, you know, some, the profit, I'll get the profit for whatever we do. So that's one way that you can do it. Another way, if you have some money, like I had cash on hand, so I use cash. I buy cars between three to $5,000. Um, I don't go over that. That's my sweet spot. Um, and I teach you how to, you know, if there's if you have issues with the car, how to how to take care of those issues? Because some of those cars, some of the cars that I do buy, they do have issues, and I have to take care of them. But I buy them at a price point to where it's like that won't hurt my bottom line. Um, and I teach you everything A to Z how I did it, um, and to get to the end and get money, basically. <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. $5,000. <laughs> and on my Instagram page, I show you, like, people be saying, like, it ain't no course out here for that much money that you can get. And I, like, I always do, like, little um, clips of, like, because I'm always on, I, Facebook Marketplace is, like, the my holy grail. Like, I, I use a lot of other um, places, but Facebook Marketplace is, like, the biggest place that I go. So whenever that happens, I'm, like, I'm going on there every day. So I always find cars, even when I'm not looking for a new car. I'm just on there and I find cars that are like in the price range that I want to be in. And I kind of explain how 
I look for these cars, what I'm looking for. Um, and I put it on, I put it up on my, um, on my Instagram page. So people will see like in my mind, like how I'm thinking, but that's basically what I teach you in the course. <clears throat> so amazing. You know, it's, it's one thing to create content, but it's another thing to set yourself up to always be looking at what you're doing as content. You know, a lot of people are like, how do you get into the mindset to want to create? It's like your life is as an entrepreneur, all of it, every aspect of it right. is to be documented because it's the journey and people love watching the journey. They love seeing right. the process. Like they love it. And then they love to see you win. So right. it's really dope that you walk them through that process. And it's kind of crazy. Like how, like um, I was telling one of my friends, like, and it's, it's just great. I was telling one of my friends, he's like, he's a mechanic. He knows how to fix cars and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, this is like the best thing for you right here. Like you working at a job, you're a mechanic, you know, a trained mechanic, you're working at a job, you really don't like it, you're trying to find something else to do, because it's like, mm -hmm. I don't like this job, so it's like, bro, you can start your own situation here, like, while you're working at that job, and that's another thing, like, people feel as though they need to leave their job before they start doing what they want to do, it's like, no, start doing what you want to do while you're at that job, because your job will be funding what you're doing so like if you do happen to mess up or something like that you're not dipping into a savings that you you know tried to save because you're not working you have you know you got a paycheck coming out friday so it's like okay that didn't really hurt me too bad but until you can you know really take profits if that if that makes sense but most people they want to get in business they want to take profits like immediately you can't take profits immediately like me i don't take profits from my business i teach you how you need to pay yourself back you know what i mean and you need to have money put to the side for incidentals, different things like that. It's a lot of people that complain about like, oh, well, these cars mess up and this and a third. And I say all the time, like, of course they're going to mess up their cars. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a house. Like, people say like, oh, it's a car. It's a, it's a, it's an asset. And I'm like, it's not an asset. It's a liability still. We just found a way to make money from it. That's it. It's still a liability. If this goes away today and you're stuck with these cars, you have liabilities. But if you buy five houses and they're running up and a tenant moves out and you have to get a new tenant in, you still have an asset because you can sell that. You know what I mean? You could do so many things with that thing. But it's like when you had a car with 180,000 miles on it, you know what I mean? And somebody and, and they shut everything down. And it's like, who are you going to sell that car to? Nobody really wants it. It's not really an asset for them. Right. So for me, I'm like, if you're like a mechanic or somebody that's mechanically inclined, like I also show like my dad, like I go to mechanics, I have mechanics, but my dad is mechanically inclined, but he doesn't always work on like the big things from because he does have a job. So certain little things that like I can't I, I need to take care of, but I can't get it to my mechanic. My dad will do it for me. So it's like if you are mechanically inclined yourself, you can go out and find cars yourself. Know that, OK, this car needs an axle and the axle is only going to cost me seventy dollars at AutoZone at the local parts place. And then I put it on myself, which is free. My free labor, sweat equity. Right. And then I'll get this car up and running. Look how much money you can make doing that as, as a mechanic. And now you're not complaining about this job that you hate anymore. And I was like, yo, I got, you know, this many cars or whatever running for me. And I'm basically like doubling my, I've doubled my salary doing this on the side. Now you talking crazy to me. Don't sound so good no more. I'm not scared anymore. I'm just like, man, bye. <laughs> so that's how I think about it. But when you tie to car payments, nine five nine car payments you still got to get like you still got to take that slander a little bit at work because it's like man if these, these people don't rent these cars like i don't know what's gonna happen you know what i mean it might not, it might not work out for me so I'm, I'm gonna just stay here for a while until the cars get pushed out but for me it's like 
I think that's mm. good. You've created something completely different that I've never seen before, so... Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So, Michelle, you had a tweet. An old tweet. We said you um you want to gift the time management course to twenty five black business owners, and you said only seven of the twenty five people downloaded it. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that make you feel? Like, what was that? About? Um, how did I feel? Like, what was what this was the whole situation? Did, you said what? What were the numbers? You said, what were the numbers? Seven out of twenty five people downloaded. Yes. It. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, right. So, what the, the way I felt was more or less like at first I kind of I wasn't offended or anything. It was more or less like mm-hmm. maybe people don't really understand how important time management is. Maybe I'm not getting the message across clear enough that like you're literally you're setting yourself for failure when you you're not more productive in your business. So it was more or less I took it as maybe I'm not introducing it in a way that we fully understand. So that's why I do so much research. When we talk to high performing entrepreneurs now, I ask all of them, what does your time management look like? Because it it's just like we have to we have to give out information how our audience is going to take it in. And I think sometimes people hear time management and productivity and they think about the cliche behind it versus how it actually can drastically change your life. So I felt like my approach probably wasn't the best. I should have did a better delivery or did more of a, like, if you take this, this is what the result will be. Um, And it had probably a lot to do with like my marketing style changed a lot since then probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I hate when people don't utilize free resources that actually grinds my gears. I think more than anything, because Anybody of influence um, put something out there that is free of charge, I feel like you should go for it. I mean, anytime I see something on Facebook, Instagram, even if it's an ad and it's like a free checklist, a free this or a free that, a free ebook, I grab it because there's always something new to learn. So I just kind of think like if you don't have that in your business already, why wouldn't you want the opportunity to, to just check it out to see? But then I go back to the delivery. Um, and it just wasn't clear on what the result would have been of them taking the time to download it. So mm-hmm. I take more accountability versus saying these people don't care. It's like, well, what? why would they? You know, if their perception of time management is, oh, knowing where my time is going, you when you break it down like that, you don't understand it. Because it's like, oh, I have a schedule. No, it's a lot deeper than that. It's making sure you know what the priority is of your schedule, the delegation of your schedule, what is going to make the money? What makes the most sense? What can get done right now versus waiting, you know, and putting it down on paper? So it's a lot more that goes into it. And I feel like if you're not open about all of those other results that you can get, people aren't going to buy into it anyway. So I just needed to do better with marketing. <laughs> makes sense. But people should still want to get free stuff. I just don't understand that concept. Like, people are just dumb. Like, what's wrong with you? You don't know about time management. I'm trying to show you. <laughs> Gosh, it's like, eh. just learn. Open you your eyes. The right people. 
That's what it comes down to. Because guess what? Ellie took the course and she has said multiple times that that course allowed her and helped her along her journey. And it's like, look what she's she's living her best life in like Nigeria right now, like with her man. Like she's building hotels and stuff. Like, come on now. Like, you know, the results show for themselves. I've had multiple people. I've had thousand dollars worth of sales off this course and everyone says the same thing. It's changed their, their mind about time management and, and the perspective behind goals and all of that stuff. So it's like, I know the course is a home run. It's okay. Y'all gonna, y'all gonna hear about it one way or another. So that's true. I think like a lot of times like we, we, um, we, we're talking to the wrong people, right? Yes. Like we want to go on social. We want to talk to people on social media. We want to give them the information. We want to talk to these people. But a lot of times it's, um, you see where people are going business to business instead of um, um, a lot of times business to consumer. So you can have a business and go directly to another business. So like we talked earlier in the call about I me mean, in the show about um, how me and Charles, when we talked about being in corporate, like, you know, in corporate America, they have a structure, they have time planned out for you they have things planned out for you. So I'm quite sure they have a person like yourself, Michelle, in a, a department that's teaching them to teach the people they have a department for that so um a lot of people think that they can't go to these big corporations and big businesses like they don't need these things they need these things uh so again it just goes back to like who you're talking to you talking to a person that's like oh i got this all figured out like a a, a regular employee that wants to get out of their job but they just want to have it quick and it's like no it's not gonna happen that quick but you gotta get these this information first to get to where you want to get to because it didn't it didn't happen that quick for you at your job right they had to give you some type of training right so these are the training tools that you need to get to so if that's the case it's like these are the people that I need to be talking to I don't need to be talking to like the everyday entrepreneur I think they know everything they think they got it because they've got thousands of dollars worth of whatever I need to be talking to a company that needs to structure their company in a way to teach millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people or even thousands or hundreds of people a certain way and this way is the michelle welch way right it's so funny <laughs> to see that it's so funny because i just signed on my first corporate client and she owns a manufacturing company uh shout out to yum crumb um she has like corporate distribution deals with like sam's club walmart and she was like michelle my productivity with my team is just not it's not there and i she's like at this point you know i'm struggling on the weekends with spending time with my family I was like, say less. Like, I'm going to put you guys, your whole corporation in a 90-day program with me. And we're going to, you're going to see a 30% increase in everything across the board. And so I'm creating her policies, her procedures for her employees, because I have an HR background as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm creating her, her productivity processes and I'm training her employees. And when you open yourself up to skills in what you do, I'm now, you know, can consider myself a corporate trainer and I cannot pitch productivity training to the corporate side of things because I can, you know, guarantee a 30% increase in productivity and sale and all of those things. So it's like, you got to find that, that thing. And I, I'm running from time management for a long time because I'm like, who the hell cares about time management? Mm -hmm. But it's like, when you get down to the nitty gritty, everybody does. Everybody. Everybody does. The mom with three kids, with a husband, with so many things, they're running a business, they're doing it. They need the time management. Like you said, Ellie, you know what I mean? She's a mom. She has kids, but she built up a business off of a program that you started to show her how to manage her time. 
Mm-hmm. And I just think that's that's a bit that's big bag, like you know. And I think sometimes we run, and not to get off the topic of of this, but I think sometimes we run from our from what our calling is because mm-hmm. it doesn't look like what we initially thought it was. You know, I was the queen of clean. I still am, but the queen <laughs> of clean. I, I'm not discrediting myself. <laughs> Um, but you know, as far as the cleaning industry goes, like it burnt me out. So I, I started to develop like a love hate relationship for it, but I feel so comfortable in this space talking about productivity and time management. I feel so confident when I am able to show somebody a different way to plan their schedule so that they can get those profits they're looking for. So I really found my passion again with coaching and it's become so much easier to deliver good results because I'm doing something that I love again. So I think it's really important to also hone in on the fact that like you put out good products when you're doing what you love. You're able to convey, like even with you, Brandy, you're able to convey the proper and necessary steps to purchase a cash car and to make money with it because you invest your time into learning it. You invest your time into into creating content that allows people to learn it with you in a way that they understand. And I feel like that all comes from passion. The way Charles is able to teach options so easily, it's a passion of his. He's, he saw how it changed his life. So I think it's important that to, to not only know your target audience, but to do something that, that fuels your soul. Like in coaching, time management, productivity gives me like the, a love that like, I don't know, like I'm obsessed with it. Like literally I will do, I can do it all day. And right. so, nice. you know, that's why I'm a show out, you know. <laughs> do we got more tweets? I can't hear you. I think you're on mute. Are you muted? Bob? Oh, Charles, you had a tweet where you said the Lambo is about the brand, not Flex. <laughs> man, um this man is crazy. Right. Life is crazy, man, because like once you start getting on new levels and you start looking at new things, sometimes the people that you knew on your previous level will kind of try to shame you for getting things that you can actually afford. <laughs> um, <That's> nice. <laughs> and sometimes they'll do that. Because either because firstly, because they can't afford it in their present situation, but also because they don't feel like they could ever afford it. And um, it's interesting because we've seen Chris's brand blow up and we also saw him buy a Lambo. And we've also seen me and my Davis's brand blow up and he bought a Lambo. And I was listening to the podcast with the TPG dudes and they were talking about like getting a Lambo and how it like changes everything for you. And also I'm kind of reflecting on what we discussed on last episode. We were talking about how like a lot of folks don't get the home until they think they're a home person or they don't get whatever it might be. Season tickets. I sat on the edge of getting season tickets for years because I never thought that like I can get season tickets. And so what happens is when you buy a Lambo, you actually make more money. So a lot of people, when you're thinking like job life, you're like, man, I'm going to be spending my job income for the Lambo. Versus when you get a business and you get a Lambo, now your business becomes more attractive. And so I was watching this interview by Sugar Shane. I just got off it. And he was talking about like one of the football players. He was being interviewed by three ex-football players. And he was talking, they were talking about how he um he went out and he bought a Lambo. And they're like, man, I'm not buying no Lambo. I'm not spending no money on a Lambo. That's 250. I could use that for something else. And he was like, well, I bought a Lambo. I wrapped it and I dropped my and I did my merch drop and I did crazy numbers. I probably paid for the Lambo in that merch drop. And he was like, and now whenever brands approach me, they know I got it going. They can't they can't approach me with no small stuff. Like I got a Lambo. Like I operate at a different level. I fight private. I do that kind of stuff. And so him saying that and then me also seeing it operate like 
why do you think Nehemiah Davis can charge $50,000 for stuff? Because he has a $250,000 car. But if you're driving around in a $20,000 car trying to charge somebody $50,000, now they're going to be looking at you kind of crazy. And so it's like when you operate at that level, people automatically assume the small, like big money is small money to you. Like when you're living like that, they can't approach you small. They can't expect you to go cheap. They can't expect, and they're also going to buy into it because they want that life too. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's why we say market the payoff, not necessarily the process, not even necessarily the pro- the product. And so for the most part, I got that also from Donnie Wiggins and she was, and I think this is a network marketing thing. Cause I used to see those Forex dudes doing it all the time. Like, it's one thing to actually buy it, though. Another to rent it and stand in front of it. Two different things we're talking. I'm not talking about like the flex flex and renting it for the photo shoot is different than renting it because you're driving it, driving it. That's two things, too. All right, y'all. I rented a Rolls Royce and I love that Rolls Royce and I took pictures in front of that Rolls Royce, but I did <laughs> not rent a Rolls Royce for the purpose of taking pictures. I rented a Rolls Royce because I wanted to drive a Rolls Royce for the weekend and we took some pictures in front of it. That's different than me saying, hey, let me go rent this private jet for two hours and take a picture in front of it. Nevertheless, I was listening to a Donnie Wiggins podcast, and she was saying that your clients aren't going to buy into you if you don't have the life that they want. And a lot of folks, man, we live in a materialistic age. Why do you think? And, and then also we notice that people listen to people that have, bought, that have what people want. So the reason we look up to rappers, the reason we look up to all those people, because they're wearing the designer, they're driving the cars, they got the jewelry. You don't even understand half the stuff they're saying. You just like them because they look like money. And so it's okay to look like money on purpose. You don't got to play small. When we were employees, we had to play small. When I was an employee, I didn't want them to really think I had too much going on because then they might not want to give you a promotion. They might not want to give you a raise, whatever that might look like. They might feel intimidated and let you go. And so, so you kind of kind of fly under the radar when you're on that job grind. When you're in business, it's your responsibility to be as big as possible, to be as seen as possible, to project an image as much as possible. It's a completely different atmosphere because it's all marketing. It's all branding. It's going towards growing you up. Why do you think Grant Cardone does it? He doesn't even like cars, but he does it because it grows him. It's controversial. Some people disagree, but I think it's it's actually makes sense. So Lambo coming soon. I'm just kidding. I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna I get. I was gonna say. So, but I, like, uh, and I'll ask. If you wanted to go get a Lambo or Rolls Royce right now, could you? Would you? Like, if you had the option to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna treat myself. Could it? Could that option it. be on the table? I think so. I mean, a so Lambo's like three thousand dollars a month. Do like if you really wanted to. I think go a, get a Bentley's a little bit more attainable than a, than a Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce, big bread. But the thing is, is I don't think. Yeah, that, I think it was a Bentley. You said you would be more inclined to get. But the thing is, is what, like, I saw somebody post something and he said, how much money do you have to be making per year to buy a $100,000 car? And I was like, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. How much cash can I generate per month? How many clients can I bring in per month? That's the way I'm looking at it. So if I can consistently keep my truck running, the truck brings in six grand a month. I drive whatever I want to drive. I just use that income for that asset. And that's the reason why you got to get your living expense out of the way, get your living expense out of the way. Everything else is icing on the cake. All the cash flow is just icing on the cake. So uh-huh. I think so. I've already created the dividends. I'm already at the income from the business, which is another gem is like, I wouldn't even buy it for my personal income. It just be a business, uh, business expense. And so the business more than brings in enough money to do all that stuff. And the business doesn't currently own a vehicle. So it should own a vehicle. So after I get my cash out of this flip and position some things a lot differently, I can do whatever I want to do. I got a Lambo on this flip. <laughs> Period. And so I think that's also the difference. So it's not necessarily a flex. If you, if I can go and cash out right now, is it really a flex? It's it's really you're giving yourself options, I think, at that point. 
you know, you had the option, you know, a lot of people can't even afford to rent the Rolls Royce or the, the Bentley for the weekend. So, I mean, I just think that it's the positioning that you put yourself in. And once again, we do live in a time where everybody wants to sell a lifestyle. I sell my authenticity because y'all not going to know what I drive. You're not going to know what my house looks like because people are crazy. And I don't want you to want to work with me because you think I drive a $100,000 car. No, I want you to see that I've spent $100,000 on my education and being as valuable as I possibly can be. And I want you to work with me because you know I'm going to give you results. So I just think sometimes also like that spin of things. I, you know, I love the flashy lifestyle, but I don't want people to work with me based off of that. So I think too, like it, it goes with like who your aligned target audience is. So that, that matters. And so I just, I'm a mom, like <laughs> I can't really get a Lambo. Like Landon and Trey are going to argue about who's going to sit in this. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, they're boys. They listen. They are so like nasty. Like they will eat in the back seat, and there will be chocolate milk everywhere. Like they just have no like. When it comes to the car, they just destroy everything. So it's just you know. Mm. And it don't get any better as they grow up because I it got don't. a, a and thirteen year old, and he just like I find stuff in the car all the time. It's like. Bro, when you got out, like, it was a trash can right there. Like, just take the trash with you. I was literally waking Landon up last weekend because he decided to sleep until, like, freaking noon. And there was chocolate fruity pebbles all over his bed. I said, sir, since when did we eat in the room on the bed? What are you doing? And he had chocolate fruity pebbles everywhere. And I was just like, this is preteen? This is this is what this feels like? This is what this feels like? <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, that's my, I'm a boy mom. Like, so I kind of have to, you know, I'm thinking right now, Chevy Tahoe. I need some nice. little rugged, you know, microfiber, easy cleanups. Microfiber. I think you got to do what works best for you. Like, I understand what Charles is saying. Like, you know what I mean? Of course. That works. And then I, under, I also understand what you're saying. Cause I also, I actually resonate with what you said. Um, but like if if you want that lifestyle, if you want people to be attracted to you because of those things and, and, whatever else that comes with that because believe me it's a lot that comes with having those things right then go after it you know what i mean and a lot of people don't know that it's a lot that comes with that until they get it because they never had it so once you get like i'm, I'm quite sure charles like being who he is in his in his own family like the success that he's gotten and where he's gotten that from where he was you know a couple years ago i'm quite sure it's, it's been like some headaches that happened because of I'm that person now. You know what I mean? So you got to be... Right. <laughs> to this day. It's going to be ringing every day. Like, <laughs> hey, no, but, but the thing is, though, a large part of what pushed me was the life that I desired to live. And so it kind of goes hand in hand. Like, I like the stuff. I've always wanted the stuff. If you look at the pictures, the things that I posted, I wanted it before I even like started really taking strides to really make this real. And so I think that's just a side effect that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it 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 sounds borderline unethical to like promote a life or to share a life, but in a lot of ways, that's branding. It is. It no. It honestly, that's why it's like a double edged sword, right? So you know, what like for example, I posted a picture. I posted a picture with me um in front of a Bentley, and I was wearing like a nice outfit looking very nice and it was just like that got a lot of attention i got a lot of followers because people love seeing a beautiful girl 
in um in front of an expensive car looking good. So it's just like that's you gotta why you need like, to be doing more of it. I was like, if you I already know. got it and you already got high high boots with the short haircut, it just be doing something to the timeline. But it's just <laughs> like I don't have time to go out right now because I'm working so much. But it's just I gotta get that. But down. see, the thing is, and this is what I think is important is if you didn't get it from that, don't market it as that. So <laughs> if I, I don't tell people like I, I and that's the thing. I never told anybody I retired and I got rich off of options. That was never my play. I said, how I made $20,000 trading options. I didn't say, hey, if you trade options, you can get a Lambo. Hey, if you trade options, you can do the all these position. things that I'm doing. So it's, it's like, I think, right. But it still attracts people to you. And so I'm actually in the process of laying out a, um, like a mastermind challenge. I don't know what to call it. But I'm going to be going over like all the things we've discussed because I need to document that anyway. I went through everything. I went through building traffic, owning traffic. I went through all the emails. I went through the value ladder. All that stuff needs to be packaged up. So, up. so <laughs> you guys want to like what name I should call that? Let me know. I want to launch that tomorrow. Like the ultimate playbook or something like ultimate mm. something. Mm. The ultimate yeah. the ultimate mastermind plays or something like that. Yeah, and then it's going to be a funnel into my high ticket. Everything's run a funnel. It, run it. Everything is a funnel. Everything gets laid up into something other, something else. That's on my agenda for tomorrow. I'm building a couple funnels out because I'm re uh my mentoring program is booked out, so I'm taking it off the market and um I'm going back to high t- my high ticket. So I'm excited because I'm filming some amazing content this week on that to put on YouTube to to just get back into the swing of things now that I have the office. And so funnels are life. And especially last week, you gave us an example of how you made some upsells off your funnel. So it's just like now that we know or I know how to use Sam cart because I didn't know how to use it. But when we did that little informational Saturday, that was really helpful. Um, But you need funnels because if you can show get someone to one product, you can get them to another. It's just a lot of times people don't know what you offer unless they actually see it. So shout out to Charles for putting us on with this funnel game. And they're not hard to put together either, too. So, and if you need help with funnels, you need to be in the mastermind. Cause yeah. Join the mastermind. Do we have another tweet? Talk, yeah, talking about the, the Lambos and Brandy had the tweet where she has what's the fascination of people being in the mud? Say that Getting again. The mud. So what's the fascination of people being in the mud? Everybody talking about how they got out of the oh. mud. You said What's the fact that was the tweet? What was the fascination of people getting it out the mud? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I really want to know because like everything that people talk about is like, I got it out the mud, I got it from here, I got it from there. But like you never hear people, you know, really say, like, yeah, I might have got it out the mud or or whatever, but I'm gonna make sure that my kid doesn't or whatever. It's like they're they're pushing their children to get it out the mud too. And it's like, why, why would we want to do that? Right. Like I want my child to have options. I want my child to be, you know, in a, in a situation, in a, in a space of, I don't have to feel like I have to, like, he doesn't have to feel like he, he has to like survive. Like, you know what I mean? I got to do certain things to actually like survive. Like that's what we, like most of us grew up in, like growing up, it was a lot of like survival tactics. We were doing things out of like, I need this and I got to do whatever I can do to get it. Um, so why would we want to put like our children in that same space if we know how it felt for us? But like for me, I'm like, I'm doing all this to make sure that my son doesn't have to 
you know, be left back or left behind or feel like he has to be doing certain things in order to have or attain what some, what he sees somebody else having, right? Like, I, I go, like, we travel and things like that. Like, I take my son out of the country. We went to Jamaica last year. Like, it like he goes with me different places. I take him different places because those are just, um, they're opportunities. You know what I mean? He, like... I noticed when I was coming up and I, I had to explain this to my son. I'm like, you know, I'm he he went to Jamaica, we went last year. And I'm like, do you know when the first time I went to Jamaica? And he's like, no, like he he has no idea. And I'm like, the first time I ever went like out of the country to Jamaica was like on like my 23rd birthday or something. Like, it probably was my 25th birthday, actually, because I had him like the next year. But it was like my 25th birthday. And it was like, I made that trip myself. Like my mom didn't help. My dad didn't help. Like nobody helped. It was just like, I, in my mind was like, I want to go out of the country. I don't want to go to like the cities or the States or whatever. I want to go out of the country and see something different. And I put my money up and, you know, I went for my birthday and it's like your first time in Jamaica is at your adolescent. Like you're a little kid, like with the, with the parent, like come going out of the country. We don't understand that that does something for our children. You know what I mean? As, as like black people. We don't understand that taking them somewhere, even if it's New Orleans, even if it's, you know, we talk about, oh, Miami and, you know, city girls up and this, that, and third. Like, you done been to Miami, to Florida, how many times? And your kids have never been to Florida. You know what I mean? So it's just like, when are you going to take your child and give them an experience? Because now they have these experiences and it's like, once they get older, there's no like, oh, you know, I missed out on this or I missed out on that. It's like, they're fighting and wanting all these things to happen and they're just not you know, uh, they're not surviving in that space. It's kind of like it's happening because, you know, I've been here before. I know this is this is no big deal. You know what I mean? But when you go somewhere or when you see something that's like the first time at like 26, 30 years old, it's a little different than when you see it at 10, 12, 11, you know what I mean? Nolan too. You know what I mean? How old your kids are when you get to take them and go different places with them and have them in different um, arenas, if you will. It gives them different opportunity. It makes them look at the world different. We look at the world the way we look at it because we're stuck in an environment that makes us feel like the mud is the is it. Like if you get it out the mud, like you got people that are becoming rappers or whatever the case may be, and they coming out and it's like they like, yeah, I got it out the mud. And then when you really look back on their situation, it's like, bro, you had your mom and your dad in the house. Y'all lived over on, you know what I mean, the east side, which is like a good side of town. Like, why would you want to come over here and, and act like you're so bad? Like it's hard for us. You know what I mean? So that is like, I don't want that for my son. I want him to have privilege. I want him to be privileged because at, at, he's a black boy. We see what's happening to black men. So it's like, if he has a certain type of privilege, then he's not, you know what I mean? He's not subjected to certain things. Like I say this all the time, like you have to have like a sphere of influence around your children. Like right now, like I said, my son's 13, but I just took him like on his first little date, right? <laughs> like he's he's talking to this little girl and I took him on his first little date. He went to the fair and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, we went, whatever the case may be. And then we went to the movies um for another one. And I'm like, I'm I'm good with this, with this little girl, whatever. I was like, they can possibly just be friends for forever, right? But the fact that I know her parents, the fact that we connected, you know what I mean, as as parents, we were connected first before our children knew each other, before they were connected, like long lineage of, oh, I know this people, parents, family, whatever. It's like, that makes a difference. When you have a situation where you can like, kind of like put your children in a, in an environment or in a space where they can thrive, it makes a big difference 
than if you just allowed them to go out and figure this thing out on their own, right? So this is like this is like a big thing for me. And a lot of people they they push back on me about it, like, oh, you how you get I was like, because I'm putting my son in, in environments that I want him to be in. If I have, like we just said, the mastermind, if I'm in the mastermind, people that think like me, they have the same, you know, ideologies as me. Um, we we go back and forth on different things, but we have the same goal of getting somewhere and, and making a difference and being better in our lives. Then at the end of the day, it's like these are the same people that my child will be around. These are the same people that I know that, hey, they're raising their children like I'm raising my child. So if it just so happened, like, you know, I me, mean, these people are around like my kid could be around them. You know what I mean? Like we we talk about our, our rappers and stuff like, oh, once you get some money, you was in the mud. But now you got some money. Now you with this person or that person. You think they got millions of dollars and they're going to like really like be with this person that's like taking them through some crazy stuff or be in an environment or have their a mindset of like not where they're at right now. You've evolved to a certain point. So now I have to get around those people that are in that in that area in the way that I've evolved. So now I'm just like, hey, I'm around these people. This is what I do. It's evolution. Right. So I'm I'm going to put my son in the best place possible to be the best person you can be. That's it. Um, Really quick. And I'm probably going to have to duck out um, or come in and out. But I would say that it's interesting that you said that like rappers talking about they came out of the mud and they really didn't. And some of the best rappers are the ones that did not come out of the mud um, because the mud does not produce great things. Privilege produces great things. People who come from privilege go to the best schools, create the best projects, are the best people um, because the mud will produce some scum. And so the other thing that I'll say is that um, a lot of reasons why I refuse to do that is because I know what it feels like, man. I didn't come from the mud, but I think that my dad could have done a little bit more, especially post 18. My dad was one of those dads that like did everything he had to do until 18. And it was like, all right, you're on your own. That's the worst time to let a young man go. I, in my opinion, that's the worst time because up until 18, they got the school system. They got the teachers, they got the principals, they got their coaches. They have all this stuff going before they turn 18. And when they turn 18, nobody gives a F anymore. Nobody right. cares anymore. Right. Um, and they treat them just like an adult and they gonna let them make adult decisions to make adult mistakes. And they do not care. And that's the worst time to let your kids go. I know what it feels like. I used to be mad. A lot of um, like the grinding and the the hustling that I did was out of like anger. Like I used to work hard and be pissed off about it, but I was still working. And so I talk about it now and I glamorize like, oh, yeah, I was going hard, but I was mad the whole time. I was like, man, why aren't they helping me? Why are they making me figure this out myself? And so like that was one of the reasons why, like um, looking back on like certain things, like when I could have helped people, but I chose not to because they didn't help me when they could have and they can be mad about it. And I told him, I was like, I was mad about it, too. I was looking to you when I, w- I was like, if I was in the same situation as you, you wouldn't have helped me. If I was looking for help to get a house, you wouldn't be helping me. But for some reason, now you expect me to just be bailing you out and making you make this happen. And so I think that the reason why we don't want to make sure our kids come out of the mud is because it, it can kind of breed this resentment in you and it can build, breed this like bitterness in you. And I think that that's like I used to work in the hood. And everybody was just so mean. But then you go to like nice areas, everybody's so kind and pleasant because it's like, you don't got no worries. What you got to be mad about? Rich folks ain't got nothing to be mad about. Like, and if they do, it's like, all right, whatever. Like they ain't tripping off a small, they're not tripping off of you, you, you got to bring butter for their pancakes. They're like, oh, you forgot my butter, but they're not going to turn up the whole table. But broke people will. <laughs> broke people will turn a, a, a small thing into a big thing. And then be hopping over the table. I know you guys saw that video of those girls who were at that restaurant in like Miami, it looked like, and they were just like tearing up the whole restaurant. 
It was, it was sad. sad. That was sad. Yeah. Broke people, rich people don't do that, man. Mm-hmm. You don't see people, and that's unfortunately, and this is one of the worst parts about it, is like I saw my friend, he's in Atlanta, and he went to the Trap Museum, and I guess there is some exhibit there that shows like how many African-American men are in jail um, as opposed to like the entire prison population worldwide. Apparently, like there's more black men in jail in America than the entire prison population worldwide. I think we're going to look back on this and say like this is worse than slavery. Mm-hmm. Like at least like I mean, like, yeah, like something's got to change. But the thing is, is, is it's by design. We talk about a system. We talk about that the system flows without you having to even have your hands in. Like, remember when we were saying, like, um, and this kind of like a contradiction on my part, like when we were talking about how, like, that water that goes from the toilet all the way to your tap and it just flows, no people involved. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of what systematic racism looks like, where they've set the system up and they don't even got to be involved anymore. They just step back and we kill each other and we slander each other and we hate each other and we destroy each other. And they look like their hands are clean, even though they orchestrated the entire thing. Right. And so I think that... Um, a big part of the reason why young men do dumb things at a young age is because they've had to get out of the mud is because they have, they, they want nice things, but they don't have the means to get nice things because they're not going to be able to get a job. That's going to pay them enough to get nice things. They're not going to be able to um, work enough hours to get those nice things. And so they do dumb stuff to get those nice things. And that's all the result of somebody making them get it out of the mud. Whereas if you were to put them in position to have those things or help them get those things and make sure they had that car, make sure they had that nice pair of shoes, whatever they might want, like now we're going to have a better society. So in large part, I think we can, I know we can solve all our own problems, but at first we got to accept that those are problems and the mud is a problem. Interestingly enough, Nolan's just kind of being quiet right now. He's not hopping on the table. So I can keep going. <laughs> so let me ask you something real quick, Brandy. You had a tweet. We were talking about how you started screening your car rental guests a little differently. You see, before you accept a rental, you ask for a screenshot of their profile on the app that they'll be using to work while renting your vehicles. First of all, let's go to the platform that you normally use for your car rentals. Um, so the platform that I use for my car rentals is um, Hire Car, um, H-Y-R-E-C-A-R, Hire Car. It's for gig workers. So people that work Uber, Lyft, um, DoorDash, gigs, I use that platform. Right. So it's not like Turo, like the, the casual renter. Right. So, uh, yeah, Turo is more like for casual. Like people on Turo still use those cars to do these jobs, but Turo doesn't market it in that way. They market it in a way of like, hey, mm-hmm. you can rent a car for a, di- for a day or whatever the case may be and ride around the city or whatever. But for hire card, they actually market to gig workers. So um, you, when they rent the car out, they're renting out for a minimum two days. So they're figuring that if you rent a car, you have a car for at least two days, your um, the probability of you keeping it a little longer is greater, right? It, rather than if you keep it for like a couple hours or a day. Um, so you have to do it minimum of two days. Um, so like most of my rentals, my, the first time, like somebody come in to rent the first, they'll rent for seven days or two weeks or even a month for the first time because they've accumulated a certain amount of money and they just need a car and they drop all their money on that one car and they kind of run it. And then as they're working, they're getting more money to pay, to be able to extend out. Cool. So what was, what, what is asking for a screenshot of their, their profile? What does that do? And why did you do that? So. The, one of the main reasons I did that is because one of my um, 
one of the people that I rented to uh, on one of my vehicles, he was he wasn't like the best renter. He was good. He paid and you know I me, mean, whatever. But um, at times it was certain days where he was just like, you know, it was maybe like an hour or so because I give you a grace period um, if you're like going to be late, how long what that grace period looks like. So mm-hmm. sometimes like some days he would go over that grace period, but he would always like reach out to me and say, hey, you know, this is happening. I'm going to get it, whatever. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, you know, as long as you get it or whatever. And um, I found out that like he was, he wasn't really working um, like Uber, Lyft or things like that. He was working like a, a, a app that was, like a handyman at it was called like this handyman not saying that it didn't anything wrong with it like you can work it um but to me it didn't seem like consistent at all because he was the one that was giving me like the the issue or maybe he wasn't consistent i don't know but um after that i was just like you know what let me start screening these people and see like what's going on like what what apps are they using right so then that kind of let me know like hey Certain people, like when people use certain apps, they may run a little longer because they are really serious about, you know, making money in this situation and they're pretty much making pretty good money. So I started to screen them. So before I approved them, I would send them a message and, you know, ask them uh, before I approved them, could they send me a screenshot of their, um, of the app they will be using to work, like the profile. And they started sending it and, you know, after that, it was just like I was doing it, it was pretty good. It was good because I was able to see like, OK, the people that drive like Uber, Lyft, you know, they're staying a little longer um, or they're good renters. Or when it come when the car comes back, how the car looks for me and things like that, that made it a situation for me to know, like, OK, these are the the demographic of people, if you will, that I will want to like really like focus on. <clears throat> Mm. So I had a tweet where you said, "Do you want to be my broke friend or my rich student?" <laughs> what was that about? That was a good one. That was um. That actually was uh from Coach Stormy, um Stormy Wellington. Uh, I listen, like I said, I listen to podcasts, I listen to mm-hmm. YouTube, things like that, and that was something that like she talked about, um, because she felt like she lost a lot of momentum, if if you will, um can't say like verbatim but basically it was like she lost a lot of momentum with the people that she was you know um coaching and things like that because they basically became her friends like she became friends with them she like they they were like uh with her on vacations we were taking pictures together you know things were happening and it was all good right because they were friends but then she said she realized that in them becoming her friends quote unquote, but she was like, these were her, her mentor, like her, um, her mentees and them becoming her friends, quote unquote, they started to stop listening to what she was actually teaching. So it was like, they became like close friends. And it's like, now the the information that I'm giving or the things that I'm telling you, you're not really listening or hearing it because you feel like we're friends, but I'm still your coach. So she said it and it was just like, you know, I, I told them, she was like, I had to kind of like get away from everybody and like you know realign myself and she said she said would you rather be like when she when the people were like calling her like hey and she was like you know I gotta call you right back or whatever and wouldn't call them back it was like they were feeling away so she just had to come out and let them know like hey would you rather be my broke friend or my rich student because as my friend Mm -hmm. you're not listening to me anymore you're not taking my advice you're not taking what I'm saying because you feel like you're right here with me like you're on my level which you're not so 
if you want to be rich, then you have to be my student. If you want to be broke, then you can be my friend because you're gonna. It's gonna seem like you know when I'm going out and flying private and going to these clubs and wearing Giuseppe's and doing all this stuff. You're gonna want to do it too because you feel like we friends, we equal, right? But if you don't really have it to do it because you're still trying to learn, then you need to still be my student and not be my friend. So that like kind of just hit, and I was just like, dang, that made so much sense. Hmm. Do you think about that, Charles? I'm trying to hear the tweet. What was the tweet, man? Is Charles? Was, it was Daddy Duty, Daddy Daycare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Do you want to be my broke friend or rich student? Uh, I like that. I like it. Um, and I think that actually makes a lot of sense because sometimes it can apply to family too. Um, a lot of times family will push back on you and they'll accept it from somebody else who's a stranger, which might mm. sound cool. But if you're passing over life-changing information because of the person that it came from, you just got to enjoy the projects. Like, I can't do nothing for you but tell you to enjoy the projects because I'm telling you the same as that thing that you're going to go listen to somebody who's a stranger. And they reject it just because it's coming from somebody who they know and who they saw rise up. So I think that, like, a lot of things that we do, we have to recondition, recondition people's minds, people's thinking. It's like, bro, I know that you probably think like this, but here's a better way. And so I say things, and I don't see the, the spark light up in some people sometimes, but I'm like, it should have lit up. Because I see the way you live in, and if you applied this and you actually allowed this to go into your spirit, you could do better. And and so I think that as a community, maybe sometimes we don't value each other as much as we should. And if we valued each other more, we value our words more. Mm. Because a lot of folks ain't saying nothing different than what your friends and your family are saying. You're just rejecting it. And that's the same information that could change your life. And you just don't want them to think that they're right. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if you think I'm right. I care if what you tell me is going to work for me. You can right. get all the credit. I don't care because I'm going to get all the success. Like, what matters more, success or credit? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. She said, she also said something about, like, we, we talk about Myron Golden a lot in the mastermind. Like, somebody, a successful Black man that's, like, really, you know, doing big things. And, um... She was talking about the mastermind that, that she was in, that they were in or whatever. And she's like, I paid a lot of money for this mastermind, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be there or whatever. She's like, um, and she told David, she's like, you know, you see, when we were in the mastermind, like Myron Gold, Golden was the the um, person, I guess, that was running the mastermind. And she was like, you notice, like, I've known Myron Golden for over 13 years. Like, she says this. She's like, I've known him for over 13 years. She said, but did you notice that when we were in the mastermind, I act like I didn't know him? I didn't like get chummy with him. I didn't get, you know, all in with him or whatever. And they was like, yeah, like she's like, that's because I want to be a rich student. Like I don't where he's I'm not on his level yet. I'm not there where he's at yet. So I can't feel like we're friends. I can't feel like I can, you know, rub shoulders with him in that way. I still need to be a student. So I'm not going to be in that space of like thinking that we're equal because we're not. You know what I mean? And she's like, a lot of people think that like once they get close to you and you've made it somewhere and they get close to you, like you said, Charles, like even your family, like they're they're the closest to you and you've made it and they'll feel like they've made it too. Whereas like, no, you didn't really make it. Like you, you didn't put in the work that I had to put in. You didn't do all the things that I had to do to get to this point. You're trying to be like rich by association, but like I'm trying to be like rich for real. 
You know what I mean? Like that, that's a real thing. Like I'm not trying to be rich by associate. I'm not trying to be rich based off of, you know, the things that maybe like Charles did because I'm, I'm connected to him or what you did, Raphael, because I'm connected to you. You got to want to be rich for real. If you want to be rich for real, you can't feel like this person is your friend if they still have information and they're still this far away from you and they still can give you something that can elevate you. You know what I mean? So that was just like, it was just powerful to me that like that all came out. And I'm just like, dang, like, cause we look at Myron Golden as like this, you know what I mean? But it's like, she's like, I've known him for over 13 years. She's like, but I don't like, I, when I see him, it's like, Hey, how you doing? Whatever. I don't like come off. Like we're friends. Cause we're not, you know what I mean? I still got things to, to get information to get, to get to another level. I ain't where I want to be. I would say that another way to do that is when they get around somebody who's successful, who they know, and they want to debate the things that they're teaching them. Mm-hmm. I hate that, man. Mm-hmm. I hate when I'm like sharing somebody something and I got to debate you. Like, okay, all right. Like, you right, for- <laughs> right. Enjoy the projects. Enjoy the projects. This, this has been running long, Raphael. What you got? Let's uh, and then I'll, I'll bow out. Y'all can keep it going. I'm about to wrap it up. Like you said, it is running long. Randy, tell them where they could find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Network with Brandy. You also can find me, like Raphael said, on Twitter at um Brandy Networks. Um, I ain't nowhere else, but that's where I'm at. You can find me and the links in my bio if you want to get started. Uh, in the debt-free rentals, the way that I got started, and that's pretty much it. And tell them what they're gonna learn in this course, man. So you're just gonna learn everything A to Z, everything that I teach: how to buy the car, how to negotiate um, with the with the seller, uh, how to get the parts for the lowest you can get them, uh, how to find people, how to build relationships with people. Um, how to make sure that the car has a clean title because that's the number one thing you want to make sure that the car has a clean title. I have um, PDFs uh, templates in my course in my courses where you get where you find out uh, where you can put the VIN number in and see if the car has a clean title or if it's salvaged or rebuilt. Um, just a bunch of information how to build and scale the business, how to automate the business. Uh, just just a bunch of information. And every time I learn new things, because I'm learning stuff all the time. I don't say I, I always say I don't know everything about this business. I'm just learning like everybody else. But I just take it in and I give it to the people that want it. So as I'm learning it, of course, we'll be built out more. And people with regular jobs can still run it on the side, right? Absolutely. I started this working my nine to five. I had working my nine to five. I had three cars running um, automated. So like it was just like I wasn't dealing with anything. It was just an automated situation. You know, I'll make the, make sure the car was where it needed to be and I'll go to work. And usually like 12 o'clock noon, my lunch break or whatever, somebody would be picking up my car and I'll be on lunch or helping a customer or whatever. But I was making money in that space. So yeah, I had three cars running at the time of my nine to five. And that's when I knew, like, I just had to keep, gun- keep going. Mm. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. At Tweet Talk Podcast, follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Um, follow, follow my man Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion, and also follow the parent company at Todd Capital. 
episode 131 of Tweet Talk the Black Belt Podcast. I am your host, Raphael, with Charles and our guest, Brandy. See you all next time. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag, you know what I can do. And so, without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm going to give you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.